Amen. Well, let's open up our Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 3. And as you're opening your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 3, we actually are just continuing our, our study here in this book, this second book of, of Samuel. And we've come to, to just look at the events of, of David and his two military commanders, which were Abner and, and Joab. And as we review these verses, we're going to read from verses 22 through 39. As we review these verses, Job is going to, Joab, I should say, is going to take the center stage. Not for any good reason, but just to reveal the sin that destroys a man. And the sin that we're going to be talking about is the sin of bitterness. And the sin of bitterness that Joab had is, or has is, is towards Abner. And let me give you some insight here is that Abner has Abner is is uh, Abner killed Joab's brother his his brother's name was Asahel and he killed him in a time of war and and one thing about Joab is that Joab never forgot it You know the only thing that he ever cared about the only thing that was on his mind was really the day of vengeance the day that he can go ahead and and take vengeance for his brother's life. And, and this sin really moved Joab to, to commit a horrible crime during a time of peace. And, and we're going to look at that. And I want to start asking you questions. I want to ask us questions here as far as we're concerned, right? When I look at bitterness, how many of us have been deeply hurt or emotionally pained by another you know, this is very common in the world we live in, right? I mean, why is it so common? It's because there's people that live in this world, right? And we know that people are sinners and, and this is what the world is filled with. And so we hurt one another and, and this is the way things are in the world that we live in. So how are we to handle it? Okay, how are we to handle it? How, are, how do we move from the pains of hurt and unforgiveness to forgiveness and 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 a means to overcome this bitterness you know many of us will dwell on it we'll we'll retell the the same events over and over again the events that harmed us the events that that really just just pained us deeply and so you know we come to a point of of never allowing the point of hurt to heal because we're constantly just retelling and dwelling on these things See, these things really provo- provoke us, right? And bitterness provokes us to sin and, and it really makes us sick. And so, how is it that we can overcome bitterness? How many of us have learned forgiveness? You know, how many of us are still bitter? Think about this, right? How many of us still are bitter here? How many of us are still angry and hateful towards others? See, the Lord wants to reveal to us the sin of bitterness and its consequences, and most importantly, how it is that we can overcome it. How is it that we can overcome this bitterness? And so, we're going to read, as I mentioned, these verses, but before I read the verses, I sort of want to give you the insight as to what's been taking place, what's been happening here in chapter 3. David was anointed king of Judah. And Ishbosheth, which was the son of, of Saul, he was anointed king of Israel by Saul's commanding general, which was named Abner. So David is the king of Judah, and Ishbosheth is the king of Israel. But we know about, as we've been talking about, Ishbosheth is that Ishbosheth was, was only a puppet king. And he was doing as Abner says. And the other thing about the kingdom of Israel, which was under Ishbosheth, it was growing weaker. But the kingdom of Judah, or David's kingdom, was actually growing stronger. But we were told last time that Abner, which was again the commanding general of Saul that anointed Ishbosheth, the king over Israel, is that he was increasing in power. 
And so what he does is that he takes Ishbosheth, I'm, I'm sorry, he takes Saul's concubine and he sleeps with her. And so Ishbosheth gets upset and he rebukes Abner and Abner gets upset and and so with this scuffle, this this strife between the two of them, Abner really Abner begins to threaten Ishbosheth and he threatens Ishbosheth and tells him, you know what, I'm going to hand over Israel to David. And again, David was growing stronger. And so Abner does exactly this. Abner goes to David and they make a peace agreement with the promise to hand over Israel to David. And this is where we finish. And this is where now we're going we're gonna to begin here, beginning in verse 22. It says, it says this. At that moment, the servants of David and Joab came from a raid and brought much spoil with them. But Abner was not with David in Hebron, for he had sent him away and had gone in peace. And when Joab and all the troops that were with him had come, they told Joab, saying, Abner the son of Ner came to the king, and he sent him away, and he has gone in peace. Then Joab came to the king and said, What have you done? Look, Abner came to you. Why is it that you sent him away and he has already gone? Surely you realize that Abner, the son of Ner, came to deceive you, to know you're going out and you're coming in, and to know all that you are doing. And when Joab had had gone from David's presence, he sent messengers after Abner, who brought him back from the well of Sirah. But David did not know it. Now when Abner had returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside in the gate to speak with him privately. And there stabbed him in the stomach so that he died from the blood, for the blood of Asahel, his brother. Afterward, when David heard it, he said, My kingdom and I are guiltless before the Lord forever of the blood of Abner, the son of Ner. Let it rest on the head of Joab and all his father's house. And let there never fail to be in the house of Joab one who has a discharge or is a leper who leans on the staff or falls by the sword or who lacks bread. So Joab and Abishai, his brother, killed Abner because he had killed their brother Asahel at Gibeon in the battle. Then, jo- then David said to Joab and to all the people who were with him, Tear your clothes, gird yourselves with sackcloth, and mourn for Abner. And King David followed the coffin. So they buried Abner in Hebron, and the king lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner, and all the people wept. And the king sang a lament over Abner and said, Should Abner die as a fool dies? Your hands were not bound, nor your feet put into fetters. As a man falls before wicked men, so you fell. Then all the people wept over him again. And when all the people came to persuade David to eat food while it was still day, David took an oath saying, God do so to me and more also if I taste bread or anything else till the sun goes down. Now all the people took note of it and it pleased them since whatever the king did pleased all the people. For all the people in all Israel understood that day that it had not been the king's intent to kill Abner, the son of Ner. Then the king said to his servants, Do you know that a prince and a great man has fallen this day in Israel? And I am weak today, though anointed king. And these men, the sons of Zeruiah, are too harsh for me. The Lord shall repay the evildoer according to his wickedness. And so as we, as we see here, right, we see here basically just... Just vengeance, we're, we're reading about just deceit, hatred, murder, we're reading about sorrow and pain. And let me share this with you, that when sin reigns, these are the effects. And when it comes to bitterness, all these effects that I just mentioned about hatred, deceit, murder, sorrow, and pain, that's what it causes, it's caused by bitterness. And what I want to share with you is, is a scripture from, from the New Testament that speaks to, 
on bitterness and the signs that follow bitterness. So I'm going to read to you from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. And it's really a command. It's What we have here is insight, the exhortation from the Lord when it comes to bitterness. He says there, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. You know, as we see here, right, we see what Paul has written for us. He says here, put it away. He says, don't walk in it. He's saying, you know what? Don't do it. I want you to know that when we do these things, right, when we walk in bitterness, I want you to understand that the only thing that it ever does is it brings destruction. It brings a lot of pain. It brings a lot of heartache. It brings a lot of sorrow. And the one that's affected is you. See, what happens is that when we are walking in bitterness, we open doors, right? And we're going to open doors that further just destroy us, like doors of deceit that we saw here with, with, with Joab, doors of murder, doors of sorrow, doors of pain, doors of destruction. You know, as Paul wrote on bitterness, right, I want to give you the Greek word for bitterness, because when we look at the Greek, it, it really defines the words, right? It gives us a, a direct meaning, because when you look at the English language, words mean so many things, but when you look at the Greek, it has specific meaning. And the Greek word for bitterness is a word, pikria, which comes from the word pikros. And this word pikros means sharp and piercing. So what does that have to do with bitterness? It has everything to do with bitterness because bitterness is a feeling that is caused by pain that is sharp, piercing, and deep in our hearts. That's what bitterness does, right? It causes this sharp, piercing, deep pain within our hearts. And who is it that causes this pain? Who is it that, that, does these, that, that, that moves us to have bitterness? It's people that we know. It's like your spouse, it's like your parents, it's like your bosses, your, your children, your friends. It, it is caused by people. And as we look at this, right, let's, let's now examine the bitter root that was in Joab. And so in verse 22, it says this. It says, At the moment the servants of David and Joab came from a raid and brought much spoil with them. But Abner was not with David in Hebron, for he had sent him away... And he had gone in peace. And when Joab and all the troops that were there with him had come, they told Joab, Abner the son of Ner came to the king, and he sent him away, and he has gone in peace. Then Joab came to the king and said, What have you done? Look, Abner came to you. Why is it that you sent him away, and he has already gone? You know, as we read here, right, we're, we're looking at here, we're looking at, at just... The reaction that Joab has, the reaction that he has towards, towards David. But we're told here, right? We're told here that Joab comes, he comes from a raid. In other words, he, he went into enemy territory and he took their possessions and, and he's coming back in victory, right? He's excited about the victory that he had. And he has lots of spoils with him. But then we're given some insight, right? We're given some insight on David and Abner, how they made this peace treaty. And Abner went away in peace. But what happens is that immediately when Joab comes, right, with all this excitement, with all this victory, some of David's men go to Joab and they let him know that Abner was here. And remember, Abner was the one that killed Joab's brother in war. And so as this immediately happens, Joab gets upset. You know, he's in a high right for having the victory. He's come with all these possessions with all these spoils and immediately the name of Abner comes to the ears of Joab and so what does he do what does Joab do immediately he goes to the king immediately he goes and he questions King David and this is now where I'm going to show you now I'm going to reveal to you signs of bitterness See, through Joab, we're going to learn the signs of bitterness 
And what's awesome about all of this is that when you look at Ephesians chapter 4, beginning there in verse 31, it actually shows us the signs of bitterness. See, these emotions that Paul talked about is, is really what's lived out by Joab. And the first one that Paul mentioned is the first thing that we see here with Joab. And the first thing that he does is he is angry. Okay? Joab is angry. You can see by his tone, right, from victory, he hears about Abner and immediately he goes to confront David. See, if there is a person that has ever hurt you deeply, whenever you hear their name, it's going to make you angry. See, anger races through your veins. You get upset when their name comes up, right? If you want to test whether you are bitter towards somebody that has deeply hurt you, when you hear their name, how do you feel? Do you immediately begin to get upset? Do you get angry? Do you begin to dwell on the pain that they caused you? If, if this is going on within you, then yes, you have a bitterness towards these people. You know what? Just like Joab, right? You're having a great day, and all of a sudden, the name of this person that has harmed you or hurt you, that scarred you, their name comes up. And immediately what happens within you? Your blood soars, right? Immediately you become upset. Immediately you become angry. And when we look at wrath, as Paul mentioned there in Ephesians chapter 4, that's extreme anger. Some of us get extremely angry about them, right? And, and believe me, this, this has happened to me, right? It's been part of my past where I've been bitter and angry towards somebody. And when I hear their name immediately, all the pain begins to stir up in my heart. And in a matter of seconds, I am reliving all that they did to me. In a matter of seconds, it goes right through me, right? It's right in my heart, right in my mind. And anger and hatred begins to overtake me. How many of you have experienced this? Many of us, right? Every single one of us has been faced with bitterness. And so what happens next? Let's look at verse 25. Or let's read again, verse 24. It says here, Then Joab came to the king and said, What have you done? Look, Abner came to you. Why is it that you sent him away and he has already gone? Verse 25, Surely you realize that Abner the son of Ner came to deceive you, to know you're going out and you're coming in, and to know all that you are doing. See, it starts with anger. And remember what Paul wrote? He wrote, he wrote anger, and then he wrote wrath, and then he mentioned clamor. Okay? Clamor. What is clamor? Clamor is a strongly expressed protest or demand. It's an outcry, right? You can go to somebody and begin to, to scream and yell at them, right? And this is what you see Joab doing with David. He immediately tells the king, what have you done? I mean, you could see the tone of it, right? What have you done? Look, Abner came to you. Why is it that you, that you sent him away and he has already gone? Remember, this man is deceiving you. See, you can see this clamor, right? The fact that he rises out of your mouth that you begin to raise your voice because there's bitterness that's still in your heart. And this is the expression of dissatisfaction, right? Sometimes we can hide it, right? Sometimes we're like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to scream, but inside of you, you want to scream, right? What are you doing? But instead, you control it, right? And, and you're holding your bitterness to yourself and you control your tone. And sometimes you hide the bitterness, but... Immediately what happens next is what Paul wrote about in Ephesians chapter 4. The third sign of bitterness is evil speaking. Negative talk. See, as soon as their name comes up, right, how many of us start vomiting all this negative talk or evil speaking on these people that hurt us? You know what? You immediately interrupt the conversation and you start saying something negative about that person. Just like Joab, right? 
he immediately starts a negative talk about Abner. And he calls Abner, as you see in verse 25, he calls him a deceiver. He begins to say, this man is a double agent. And Joab tells King David that basically he wants to trap you and he wants to deceive you. See, as I begin to talk about bitterness, right, we get, we get a picture of what's going on within our own hearts. You can see from Joab, really the things that we begin to do, right? The anger, the shouting, the evil speaking, and you start calling people names from A to Z. And this is what Psalm chapter 64 verse 3 says, who sharpen their tongue like a sword, right? And bend their bows to shoot their arrows. Bitter words. They're upset. They're name calling. And what happens with many of us is that, you know what, to stress our point and to get people on our side, is you begin to, to, to retell the story. You begin to dwell on what's happened in the past. And, and this is that bitterness, right, that, that the Lord wants you to let go of. He wants you to just stop it. See, we begin to look at these people as the worst sinners on earth, right? We begin to retell all these negative things about them and what they did to us. But if bitterness is not controlled, it moves to our next sign, which is in verse 26. It says that when Joab had gone from David's presence, he sent messengers after Abner who brought him back from the well of Syrah, but David did not know it. Okay? The fourth sign is what Paul also wrote about, which is malice. Okay? What is malice? Malice is the desire to inflict injury. See, we see Joab moving on his own, without David's knowledge, planning something against Abner. This is what he's planning. He's planning something against Abner. And this is without David's consent. See, Abner had just left David, right? And Abner, as messengers are sent to him, he, he agrees to come back because he thought that, you know what? That David was calling him back. But we know that if Joab would have gone out to ask Abner to come back, Abner would never have come back, right? But you see, one thing that you see in Joab here is that you remember what he called Abner? He called Abner a deceiver. But yet you see Joab living out the same sin that he called out in Abner. See, what happens to us is that when we walk in sin, sometimes we are blinded by our own sin, right? We have no idea that, that we're walking in what we're basically speaking of others. You know, as you look at, at Joab, right? I mean... Blinded to his own sin and he's basically doing what he's accusing Abner of doing. This is the way we are as people, right? We're, we're so blinded to our own sin and, and yet we're, 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 we're bringing out the sins of others. But yet, we don't even see it in ourselves. And this is one of the things that we are to pray for, right? We are to ask the Lord, Lord, if I am blinded to any sin in my life, reveal it to me. Believe me, this is one of my prayers. I want the Lord to reveal the sins that I am blinded to. This is why the Lord says in Matthew 7, 3, right? And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? It's important for us to, you know, to understand this, right? And, and as we see here, as we see the things that are going on, Joab is so clueless to his own sin. He is just filled with bitterness, and bitterness tends to blind us of our own sin. You know, as we look at the next verse, what's the next sign? There in verse 27 it says, Now when Abner, when Abner had returned to Hebron, Joab took him aside in the gate to speak with him privately. And there stabbed him in the stomach so that he died for the blood of Asahel, his brother. And afterward, when David heard it, he said, My kingdom and I are guiltless before the Lord, forever of the blood of Abner the son of Ner. Let it rest on the head of Joab and all his father's house, and let there never fail to be in the house of Joab one who has a discharge or is a leper, one who leans on a staff or falls by the sword, 
or one who lacks bread. So Joab and Abishai, his brother, killed Abner because he had killed their brother Asahel at Gibeon in the battle. I want you to know what we have here. Basically, as you have the next sign that comes in bitterness, and that is murder. Murder. I want you to understand that, that this is what bitterness will move you to. This is an extreme case of bitterness, right? Where it moves you to murder somebody else. And this is what Joab does. Joab murders Abner by stabbing him in the stomach. And the reason is stated, right? The reason is stated there is that he killed him because Abner killed his brother Asahel. But let me remind you, Asahel died in a time of war. We are now in a time of peace here, which means that this was now an act of murder. See, murder, as I mentioned to you, is an extreme case of bitterness. But I want to reveal something to you. Anger is caused by bitterness. And anger is the root cause of murder. You see how these two work together? When you look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 21, it says this, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. See, many a times we say to ourselves, Well, you know what? Maybe I'm not committing murder. But I want you to understand that what is in your heart, the root cause of it, is the same in the Lord's eye. See, murder is the outcome of anger, and bitterness is caused by anger. See, we must come to a point of realizing that uncontrolled anger moves people to do the unthinkable, which is murder. But see, anger is, is an issue of the heart, and so is bitterness, right? And it comes from anger. And so all of this is really just an issue, a heart issue that the Lord needs to heal in all of us. And this is why the Lord looks at the heart, right? This is why He changes the heart. Just because we don't murder anybody doesn't take away the, the problem of our heart. It's still there. The anger is still there. It comes from a defiled heart. And this is very important for us to realize that in God's eyes we're doing the same thing as committing murder. See, as we look at, at David, right? David, he immediately expresses his innocence to Joab's crime of murder. I want you to know this, is that some people have said that, you know what, that David was the one that, that moved Joab to do this. He was the one that instigated Joab to do this. But we see the, the curse that that David proclaims on Joab and his family. Which really points to the fact that David was not involved at all in this plan. He throws a curse out to Joab and his family. He says, you know what? Let there never, I'm sorry, that there will always be a leper. That there will always be one who leans on a staff or falls, or falls by the sword. In other words, you're lame or you have some sort of ailment or you're killed. Or one who is in poverty. See, this was a curse that David placed upon, upon, this, upon Joab for his murder. For the act of murder that he committed. And what was amazing about all of this is that Hebron was actually a city of refuge according to Joshua chapter 20, verse 7. And Joab knew everything that he was doing. See, in cities of refuge, whenever anybody was running from a crime that they committed, they would go to the city of refuge in order to let the judge make a call on whether it was intentional or not, or whether he should be set free or not. And this is where David was dwelling at the very moment. But look at what Joab does. Joab takes... Abner to the city gate. And guess where he murders him? He murders him outside of the city gate because he knew that if he was to murder him within the city gates, that immediately he would be punished. But he knew that he couldn't. He knew that if he did this, that, 
that, you know what, that, that he would be punished. But so he moves to murder him outside of the city gate. Let's keep reading. It says, Then David said to Joab and to all the people who were with him, Tear your clothes, gird yourselves with sackcloth, and mourn for Abner. And King David followed the coffin. So they buried Abner in Hebron, and the king lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner, and all the people wept. And the king sang a lament over Abner and said, Should Abner die as a fool dies? Your hands were not bound, nor your feet put into feathers. As a man falls before wicked men, so you fell. Then all the people wept over him again. And when all the people came to persuade David to eat food, while it was still day, David took an oath, saying, God do so to me, and more also if I taste bread or anything else, till the sun goes down. Again, you see what bitterness brings. It moves people to commit sin, and it brings sorrow, it brings pain. And you see here, David is, is calling for the burial there at Hebron. And he calls for a great mourning and a fasting for this man, this man Abner. And as we keep reading in verse 36, it says this, Now all the people took note of it, and it pleased them, since whatever the king did pleased all the people. For all the people in all Israel understood that day that it had not been the king's intent to kill Abner, the son of Ner. See, people's eyes were on David. But after seeing what David did, after seeing his expression of, of mourning, calling for a mourn, calling for a fast, his own personal fast, they knew that he had nothing to do with it. And let's close with these verses. It says, Then the king said to his servants, Do you not know that a prince and a great man has fallen this day in Israel? And I am weak today, though anointed king. And these men, the sons of Zeruiah, are too harsh for me. The Lord shall repay the evildoer according to his wickedness. He's talking there about Joab and Abishai. And I love the way David closes because, you see, this is the exhortation for all of us. He says that the Lord shall repay the evildoer according to his wickedness. See, what Joab did in murdering Abner, I want you to understand what this meant to David. It could have ruined David's opportunity to unify and to reign over Israel. But Joab cared nothing about David. He didn't care about ruining David's chance to become king over all of Israel, over the northern and southern kingdom. All he cared about was his own vengeance, fulfilling the, 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 his, his bitterness and, and, the, and, the, and the acts that come with it. See, all he cared about was avenging his brother's death. But what does David do? Does David take matters into his own hands? Understand this. This was something that was great against David. And I want to share this with you. I think the only way to understand this is really to begin to examine the hurts that people would do against us. What would you do if someone does something to you that jeopardizes you? Something of great importance to you, right? Like, like a marriage, right? What if a friend, a friend tries to destroy your marriage? Maybe he hits on your wife or your husband and, and they're together with one another. You know, this is something that's deep, right? How are you going to react? It's the same thing with David. The whole, all of Israel was in jeopardy now because of Joab. See, if Israel were convinced of a lie that David was for it, the kingdom would not have been unified. But yet you have something that they do that is of great importance, right? Someone that hurt him, Joab. His, this was a cousin of David too. It was a family member. And he does this. What about this? What about someone that falsely accuses you at your job because they want your position? How are you going to be towards them? Are you going to be bitter? Are you going to be upset? Are you going to hate on them? Are you going to, are you going to allow the root of bitterness to dwell within you? What about somebody that takes your money? Somebody that gets into your account, a friend of yours, and takes all of your money. How are you going to be? You know, spouses that cheat on you. How are you going to be? A friend that betrays you. How are you going to be? See, we are all capable of becoming bitter. But as we see here, David did not become bitter against Joab. 
But what does David do instead? David gives it to the Lord. He says, you know what? The Lord shall repay the evildoer according to his wickedness. And this is really what Paul tells us, right? In, in Romans, as he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write, Romans 12, verse 19, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. In other words, don't avenge yourselves, let the Lord have vengeance, let the Lord's wrath be upon them. And you know what, you know what happened to Joab? The Lord's wrath did fall upon Joab. I want to read to you what happens to Joab in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 28. It says, Then news came to Joab, for Joab had defected to Adonijah, though he had not defected to Absalom. In other words, he went and sided with another son of David. When Samuel became king, I mean, when Solomon became king, the next king after David, Joab decides to go to Adonijah. He doesn't go with the king that God had called. And so this is what's happening here, right? So it goes on to say, So Joab fled to the tabernacle of the Lord and took hold of the horns of the altar. And King Solomon was told, Joab has fled to the tabernacle of the Lord. There he is by the altar. See, what happened is that Solomon had Adonijah executed. And this is when Joab is just like, what do I do now? So this is what he does. And then Solomon sent Benani there in 1 Kings 2, the son of Jehoiada, saying, go strike him down. So Benani went to the tabernacle of the Lord and said to him, thus says the king, come out. And he said, no, but I will die here. And Benani brought back word to the king, saying, thus says Joab, and thus he answered me. Then King Solomon said to him, do as he has said and strike him down and bury him, that you may take away from me and from the house of my father the innocent blood which Joab shed. So the Lord will return his blood on his head because he struck down two men more righteous and better than he and killed them with a sword. Abner the son of Ner, the commander of the army of Israel, and Amasa the son of Jether, the commander of the army of Judah. Though my father David did not know it, their blood shall be shall therefore return upon the head of Joab and upon the head of his descendants forever. But upon David and his descendants, upon his house and his throne, there shall be peace forever from the Lord. So Ben and I, the son of Jehoiada, went up and struck and killed him, and he was buried in his own house in the wilderness. So you see how just the Lord takes care of those that, that come against us, right? Those that hurt us. If they've done anything wrong towards us, the Lord is going de- uh, to deal with them. What I want to finish now is really, I want to talk about the consequences of the sin of bitterness. And then I'm going to share with you how to overcome bitterness. Okay? If you, are, if you have any bitterness in your heart, if you are holding anger and hatred and unforgiveness towards someone that has hurt you, deeply hurt you, deeply wronged you, I'm going to give you here three things that it does to you. The first thing that it does, it, it defiles you. Bitterness defiles you. Understand this. Bitterness defiles you. What does defile mean? It means that it makes you dirty. It makes you unclean. Even though the Lord has cleansed you, if you as a believer are holding on to bitterness, you will be defiled. This is what the Word of God says. Believe me, I'm not saying this, but if you are in bitterness, understand this. You are walking in sin and sin separates you from the Lord. Look at what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 14. It says this, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest any fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness, look at this, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Imagine that. If you are walking in bitterness, maybe you never knew this, and this is what's so amazing about the Word of God, is that it is a mirror. It reveals to us sin, and it, and it reveals to us lies and deception, where the enemy has been probably telling you, don't worry about the bitterness that you have in your heart. It's justified, it's okay. 
But understand this, the Word of God is telling you that you will become defiled. You will become dirty. It will separate you from the Lord because there's sin in your heart that needs to be dealt with. The second thing it does is that it destroys you spiritually. Understand this. It destroys you spiritually. If you are holding on to bitterness, understand this. It will destroy you spiritually. When you look at bitterness, bitterness is what? It's not, it, it's holding on to these deep hurts. And when you hold on to these deep hurts, basically you are saying that I am not forgiving the person that has harmed me. You are not going to forgive the others that have harmed you, right? And look at what the Word of God says regarding forgiveness. He says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You and I are called to forgive. It's not an option. I want you to know this. It's a command. It tells us in Colossians. It tells us that we are called to forgive one another. If you are holding on to unforgiveness, and believe me, you are in jeopardy of your salvation. Because what happens there is that, as it says there, that your Heavenly Father will not forgive you. These are some pretty harsh and strong words, right? But they're not my words. These are the words from the Word of God. It will destroy you spiritually. It saw, we saw what it did to David. It, I mean, to Joab, right? It just continually just escalated. You're so blinded to sin and you're constantly walking in sin. Another thing that bitterness causes, and I can see this happening, right? There are many people, and I looked this up, and I looked it up, and there are doctors and others that say that bitterness will also cause health, health issues. It causes health issues. Why? Because you're holding on to issues within your heart. It says that it causes high blood pressure, causes heart rate to be higher than it normally should. And why is this? Because of the high stress that you bring upon yourself because you're constantly walking or you're constantly thinking about the harm that they cause you. And when you hear their names, what happens? All of a sudden, it just it stirs you up and it, and it goes through your veins, right? And you're all stirred up within you. Believe me, not only does it destroy spiritually, but it can also destroy physically. As I mentioned this, how is it that we can overcome it? I'm going to give you now ways to overcome bitterness. You know, as I've been sharing with you, really, just the things that, that happen within us, right, as you hear their names, as it stirs up, you know, these issues within our own hearts. As I gave you the examples, and if any of these pierced you, when you hear the names of somebody that has harmed you, if you're upset with them or, or, or you're angry at them, Understand this, that as a people of God, we first must acknowledge it. This is what James chapter 3, verse 14 tells us. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. We are called to acknowledge it. We are called to admit it. If there is bitter, if there is envy, there is self-seeking in our hearts, if there is a sin in our hearts, don't lie against the truth, acknowledge it. And then secondly, you and I are called to confess it. Confess it. We've got to confess it. And it really has to be something that you mean in your heart. It's easy for us to say, oh, you know what? I heard something about bitterness. I was shaken by it, right? Because it, it, it talks about destroying me spiritually and physically. So I'm going to confess it, right? But you must truly repent of it. It has to be something that is heartfelt that you're going to say. And say, you know what? I am not going to go there anymore, Lord. This is why in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it talks about confessing our sins. To know that He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. See, there's a lot of people that will give you lip service, right? And they'll say, you know what, I'm sorry. But they really don't mean it. We do the same thing with the Lord, right? When we come to Him and we say, I'm sorry. But yet you still dwell on it. We've got to really repent of this. 
The third way we can overcome it, or these are all vital in overcoming it, because if you don't do one, then you're not, you're not going to overcome it. You've got to forgive. You've got to forgive your offender. You've got to forgive your offender. Matthew 6.14, we just read it, right? For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. The only way to do away with bitterness is to forgive them. Doesn't mean that you're going to trust them, right? But it does call you to forgive them. You can't have these ill thoughts about them. You can't allow them to stir you up to be angry and to start talking negative about them. You know, these are the things that, that, that we don't... If you've, if you've basically forgiven them, then these things won't come out. But if you see yourself returning to it, then maybe you haven't truly forgiven them. And the fourth thing, which is vital to overcome bitterness, is to pray for them. Pray for them. Matthew 5.44 says, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Those that spitefully use you and persecute you. You know, when we start praying for people that hurt you, that use you, that persecute you, God does a way of, God, God has a way of changing your heart and moving in your heart. See, try, begin to pray for those that cause deep hurt within you. And you'll see your heart changing towards them. See, we got to do these four things. If you aren't doing these four things, then bitterness will continue to, to creep it will continue to stir up in your hearts. It will continue to come to life. You know what? These things that I talked about, bitterness. Bitterness will separate you. It will destroy you spiritually. And as we talked about, physically. You know, we're going to close with this. And remember this. Whatever you've done in the past, whatever you're doing now, when you acknowledge it and confess it, the Lord forgives you. Where sin abounds, grace abounds. Just remember, it truly has to be repentance, confession, because if it's just lip service, it does nothing. You know, as the Lord has brought bitterness to our minds and to our eyes and to our hearts, maybe some of you haven't realized just how great and grave and deep this sin is. Maybe some of you haven't confessed and maybe you didn't even know that it was separating you from God and the Lord is bringing this to your attention. Maybe you didn't know how how bad it was. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to give you an opportunity. An opportunity to make things right with the Lord. An opportunity to, to come to Him and just asking Him for forgiveness. If you want to make things right with God, it's always coming to Him by faith. Confessing it and allowing Him to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. If this is you and you want to make things right, maybe you were blinded by your sin and now God has revealed it to you. If you want to make things right between you and the Lord, and this is strictly between you and the Lord, I want everyone's heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to ask you now to raise your hand and we're going to pray for you. Anyone else? Amen. Anyone else? Amen. Anyone else? Amen. Anyone else? Overcoming. The only way is to acknowledge. Anyone else? 
Lord, you saw these hands that went up. These hands went up because you spoke to them, Lord. You revealed how how deep and harmful and evil this sin is of bitterness. Lord, these people that raised their hand are confessing it. They don't want to walk in bitterness anymore, Lord. They see the consequences of these sins. And they don't want it anymore. Lord, help them. Help them to see with your eyes. Help them to do as they've been instructed to do. Lord, I just thank you for their hearts. Their honesty. Their truth before you. But I'm going to ask everyone that raised their hand, I'm going to ask you now to pray. I'm going to give you a, a few seconds. I'm going to give you like 10 seconds to pray for the individual that has deeply hurt you. Lord, we thank you for the things that you have shown us, the things that you have revealed to us. Lord, for we were blinded to these things. And we want to mature in you and grow in you and build a deeper relationship with you. And if there's any sin in any of us that we are ignorant to, please reveal it to us, Lord. Lord, we want to walk with you. We want to dwell with you. We want to live in eternity with you. Lord, we want to give you all praise, glory, and honor for your word and for the things that you reveal to us this evening. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.